All righty, uh, we are moving through numbers. We're at chapter 27 today. So um, actually it's two chapters uh, separated, um, 27 and then 36. Um, they kind of, I thought, covered the same uh, whatever figures or, or, or uh, people. So I thought we could take them together. So 27, 1 to 11, 20, uh, th sorry, 36, 1 to 13. So if uh, we could have it read for us. Thank you, Matt. Volunteers, please read out. The Daughters of... Zelophehad, son of Hepher, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, belonged to the clans of Manasseh, son of Joseph. The names of the daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Tirzah. They approached the entrance to the tent of meeting and stood before Moses, Eliezer, the priests, the leaders, and the whole assembly, and said, Our father died in the desert. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan? Because he had no son. Give us property among our father's relatives. So Moses brought their case before the Lord, and the Lord said to him, What Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and turn their father's inheritance over to them. Say to the Israelites, if a man dies and leaves no son, turn his inheritance over to his daughter. If he has no daughter, give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father had no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan that he may possess it. This is to be a legal requirement for the Israelites as the Lord commanded Moses. The family heads of the clan of Gilead, son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, who were from the clans of the descendants of Joseph, came and spoke before Moses and the leaders, the heads of the Israelite families. They said, when the Lord commanded my Lord to give the land as an inheritance to the Israelites by lot, he ordered you to give the inheritance of our brother Zelophehad to his daughters. Now suppose they marry men from other Israelite tribes, then their inheritance will be taken from our ancestral inheritance and added to that of the tribe they marry into and so part of the inheritance allotted to us will be taken away when the year of jubilee for the israelite comes israelites comes their inheritance will be added to that of the tribe into which they marry and their property will be taken from the tribal inheritance of our forefathers then at the lord's command moses gave this order to the israelites what the tribe of the descendants of Joseph is saying is right. This is what the Lord commands for Zelophehad's daughters. They may marry anyone they please as long as they marry within the tribal clan of their father. No inheritance in Israel is to pass from tribe to tribe, for every Israelite shall keep the tribal land inherited from his forefathers. Every daughter who inherits land in any Israelite tribe must marry someone in her father's tribal clan, so that every Israelite will possess the inheritance of his fathers. No inheritance will, may pass from tribe to tribe, for each Israelite tribe is to keep the land it inherits. So Zelophehad's daughters did as the Lord commanded Moses. Zelophehad's daughters, Mala, Tirzah, Hogla, Milcah, and Noah, married their cousins on their father's side. They married within the clans of the descendants of Manasseh, son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained in their father's clan and tribe. These are the commands and regulations the Lord gave through Moses to the Israelites on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Right, great. Okay, so um, yeah, 27 um, talks about Zelophehad's daughters and their kind of inquiry as well as proposal and then God's response. Chapter 36 is actually the last chapter of Numbers and uh, it kind of comes back, the, the issue takes one uh, kind of deeper um, iteration with respect to kind of inheritance laws, marriage laws uh, and all that. So um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting, I find an interesting um, 
topic, right? Um, and uh, not only the the subject matter, but kind of the, the 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 process by which they do this. I think, first of all, you know, the fact that you know the women, the daughters of Zalofa had uh, raised this issue. I think is pretty fascinating to me. And then, kind of um, how it, they come up again in chapter thirty six. So, my first uh, kind of study question for us to kind of consider together is um, regarding Zalofahad's daughter's request, uh, what is, what, what, what might be considered exemplary? Like, hey, this is worth like learning from in a positive sense. If anything, maybe, you know, there are no lessons to glean. Um, and then is there anything that we should be careful about? Anything that's cautionary? Uh, about uh, what they do and what happens. Well, regarding exemplary, um, the fact that you know uh, they were women in a very male-dominated society, um, and they, you know, were willing to stand up for what they deem was important which was this um, disinheritance. It kind of uh, um, reminded me the, the opposite though, of how Esau um, considered his birthright. He didn't consider it of great importance, but here these daughters consider it of great importance so much so that they were willing to um, quote unquote fight for it. You know, they might not have done battle for it, but um, in speaking up, they uh, ex asserted their right to this inheritance that they thought was very important. Yeah, great. I, I was thinking about Pastor Taylor's, right? That's sort of the context of the Esau birthright, uh, where what do you value? And uh, so these daughters valued um, their father's legacy. They valued the inheritance, right, uh, that God would, would give to them. It was, you know, God's gift to the family. Um, and to the point, like you said, Joe, where they kind of overcame societal norms and, and even kind of maybe um, kind of uh, it was frowned upon for, unfortunately, for women to speak. But then they had the courage to go to the tent of meeting before Moses, Eleazar, and uh, all of the leaders of the whole assembly. So they really put uh, their what they valued above their own comfort and safety. Thank you. Any other input? Um, I guess just to add a little bit on the, not not only just kind of valuing. Um, the inheritance, but having, I guess, having the faith that that they would come to possess the land, um, that God would, you know, follow through on His promise, and that, you know, it's like they're they're talking about something that they don't fully have yet, but even they're kind of thinking ahead to that point, and I guess they, um, you know, they trust God to that extent. Yeah, that's, that's great, Peter. Yeah, I, I, I was struck by that, uh, that too. Um, I think we've been trying to show the, the, the move from the first generation to the second. Um, um, as um, like chapter 25, where they consorted with the Midianite women, 24,000 died. And some commentaries were saying, it seemed like that was the conclusion or the closure to the first generation. Um, and then thereafter, um, it's starting from chapter 26, we get the new census, right? We talked about that last time. So um, Eleazar has already been, um, become the new uh, priest. Uh, and now the tribal, the, the, the clan heads are 
also of the second generation, there's a count uh, from verse, um, the second half of chapter 27, which we'll look at next time is actually the identification and appointment of Joshua as the successor to Moses. So uh, we're seeing kind of um, the changing uh, of the guard, if you will. Um, and it's pretty, why I say it's really interesting to me is, um, as Peter pointed out, uh, it, this is like uh, Zelophehad's daughters are more oriented to the future than to the past. They're more interested in Canaan than Egypt, right? And wasn't that the kind of almost the, uh, the vintage mindset of the first generation? Egypt was better. Why did you take us out of Egypt? This land sucks, you know, uh, who knows? What's, you know, they were so um, wedded to the past. They were so ingrained in what they had. They never could see what God was giving them. But again, as Pete pointed out, these daughters, uh, it was an act of faith that they're talking about inheritance, right? If they didn't believe that Canaan was going to be given to them, if they didn't think that something was going to be allotted to them, if they was just kind of like theoretical, like you know, arm, armchair a theorist, then this this discussion is 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 silly. Right? Why talk about it at all? But they really believed that God would give them the land. They really believed that they were part of the plan. They really believed that they had, as Joe said, um, I don't know about rights, but they had an inheritance. They had um, uh, they had an interest in, in 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 even like not only like you know societal interest but legal interest in. <clears throat> what would happen to their father's um, allotment or inheritance. So I think this really kind of shows in a very interesting way, like almost like there's no announcement. They just kind of jump into the, the legal issue itself. But it, it really kind of, to me, uh, just uh, confirms very uh, eloquently, powerfully, um, that this generation is different, that they indeed... Uh, are looking forward to what God will do for them and uh, through them, right? Um, but at the same time, they are not oblivious of the past. They're not dismissive of the past, right? L look at verse three. Our father died in the desert. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and he left no sons. Now that's just kind of a factual statement. But I think this is something that I think is kind of exemplary is that they recognize, right, that the sins of the past, they acknowledge it, right? They acknowledge that what Korah did was very bad, right? Uh, rallying um, an opposition party, challenging Moses, dividing the people, traumatizing the children when they got like all all punished and, and, and kind of executed, right? Just uh, all of the damage and disservice that, you know, this kind of rebellious spirit caused, they actually say, you know, we know that happened. We know that that's, you know, part of our, our unfortunate history. Um, but our father was not part of that. He was just, uh, just part of the numbers 13, 14 Kadesh Barnea rebellion. He died a normal, normal punishment, you know, that kind of thing. They're saying that, you know, he's not perfect. He's not sinless, but um, they understand how maybe uh, egregious, how doubly <clears throat> problematic, doubly um, um, disobedient uh, Korah and his uh, the other leaders, the other followers uh, were. So they have, I think, this right balance of uh, knowing what has happened and acknowledging the reality of it, not sugarcoating it, um, calling it what it was. And yet, you know, they understand God's heart, right? The spirit of inheritance, 
if, if, if we could say something like that, they know that God has forgiven them and they want him. They want, God wants them um, to receive his bounty, what, you know, to, to see the plan come to uh, fruition. And, you know, living our Christian lives, um, I think that sometimes gets a little bit fuzzy, right? Like we can get uh, mired, stuck. We can get kind of chained or anchored to our past sins, our past failures. We can't move on. In, in that sense, we're like the first generation, right? We're just like, I want the good old days. I want it when I didn't have these problems, when life wasn't so complicated, right? Yeah, I remember um, like one of our kids saying that, like, um, I think they were they were in high school or something, and you know things are complicated with school. And, you know, it's just college application is just a war, right? It's just a war, and and you know, social um, navigation, you know, is also very difficult. They're going through puberty and all that kind of stuff, and the kid said. Um, I wish I was back in middle school when life was easy. <laughs> or was it like elementary? It was just like an off the cuff remark. I go, <laughs> that's so funny that kind of reflecting on the good old days, the good old middle school days or whatever it was. Uh, and we tend to do that. We, we tend to have a um, uh, stick to the past, get stuck in the past. Sometimes, Good memories, sometimes bad memories, but you know God is not there, or that's not where He wants us to be at, uh, uh, most of the time, right? Um, <clears throat> but these daughters, they're grounded in the future, right? They look, they're looking to where God's looking, and where God is looking is the conquest of Canaan, the inheritance and laws. And so, I think this <clears throat> emboldened them, this strengthened them to muster the courage and the chutzpah and, and even I, I think the good arguments they, they're pretty um, insightful uh, in this so uh, I say this because no one else had brought this up even God had not thought through this right? God was not able to you know, despite all of the law that was given <clears throat> he was not able to give every specific kind of scenario or kind of a situation or exception or that kind of stuff so i bet you a, a lot of kind of uh whatever uh, case law was developed in this manner and that's what the tent of meeting was for right uh the tent of meeting uh was um designed to uh, adjudicate, designed to answer questions. When people didn't know what was going on, they brought it to Moses. And if Moses knew the answer, he would tell them. If he didn't, he would pray. God would give him an answer. So uh, they bring up a very <clears throat> uh, uh, live and important question. And it turns out that uh, legally speaking, God is, they're spot on. Right? Their insight into uh the situation where uh, a man dies without male heirs, um, that uh, needed a, a, a decision, that needed adjudication, that needed <clears throat> to be clarified. And so God uh, approves. He accepts the request <clears throat> that the inheritance uh, would not be lost. The inheritance would not be um, um forgotten, right, but that it would uh, pass to uh, different people, first the daughters, right, uh, and then um, first nine, then to his brothers, and then to his father's brothers. So um, it kind of uh, clarifies, and I think it, I'm sure this is going to happen, you know, not everyone had male, male children, Right, and so this kind of uh, establishes a precedent. It establishes a model for um, you know, these kind of situations. And 
you know, everybody who thereafter was able to keep the land, uh, the daughters were able to inherit it. Um, it was because of, you know, the, the work, the faith, um, the, the, the actions of uh, Zalofahad's uh, daughters, right? That they not only uh, went to get this matter um, answered, but they did it overcoming social barriers and opposition and um, <clears throat> kind of cultural norms. Uh, and they did it with the right faith perspective, uh, with the right words, with the right uh, tenor, the attitude. And uh, this became right, a legal requirement. It became statutory law, if you will. Um, for the Israelites. So I don't know, this, this is a very happy outcome in my mind. It, it not only about what to do in this situation, but um, the, the fruit of what they uh, said and did, I think um, is kind of very encouraging uh, to read. So I, I wanna chalk it up to you know, this new spirit among the second generation Israelites, where most of the first generation was, you know, their dealings with Moses was quarrelsome, conflictual, um, you know, threatening, accus accusatory, uh, and just, you know, so negative, right? Um, here we see a kind of a beautiful edifying resolution to a, a real matter that needed uh, to be uh, addressed. So, you know, I don't think we can develop a full-blown model for it, but, you know, in our day where uh, those that have been um, under, uh, those who've lacked opportunity, those who um, have, have um, been whatever um, deprived, those who've been disenfranchised, um, you know, those are, uh, I think, maybe the situ the situations that 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 I've mentioned right now is, are more whether severe or serious. But um, you know, to kind of um, uh, incorporate where possible, right, this kind of of, of wisdom, right? this kind of uh, of courage to speak up and to um, acknowledge, to call a ball a ball, a strike a strike, right? And to be able to um, bring about uh, kind of benefits to all, right? Um, I mean, I think that's, again, I'm not sure how practically you could apply it across the board, but uh, in terms of like things that might um, uh, help, right? Um, not that, you know, like I said, these are the only tools, uh, that these are the only ways in which uh, um, justice can be acquired. Uh, but um, as one um, kind of uh, example, as one approach, I, I think there's... Um, Lessons uh, to be gained, right? blessings to be had. Oh, any any uh, thoughts from from you? Um, based on the uh, first uh, eleven verses there of twenty-seven. If I recall, uh, a few studies back, I think it was young raised the question about when do we kind of accept the situation and when do we kind of challenge it, right? And um, so I think this may be um, related to that. Uh, I wanna revisit the question um, when we get to the late, uh, another study where um, two or three tribes, two and a half tribes, um, they want their inheritance outside of Canaan, so adjacent to Canaan, but not 
Canaan property, they want their property, they want to receive property that's east of the Jordan River called Transjordan. And uh, I think that also will shed some light into exemplary or cautionary ways in which trying to either uh, seek, discern God's plan, God's will, or to when to speak up or say something or do something and otherwise. So okay. Um, maybe you can process that. Let's do the same exercise. Uh, question two is um, the same as question one regarding the Gilead family heads. So more in chapter 36 now. They come and ask Moses about uh, the next kind of corollary issue. Right? Um, do you guys have any thoughts on their approach? Well, the only comment I had really was just that um, it seems we go back to the kind of male dominant kind of scenario where um, the fact that if as women and when they get married, <clears throat> their inheritance or whatever they have in their possession would be given over to the men and they would follow with the men's side. So I guess the concern for uh, Gilead's family was that, right, the inheritance would leave their tribe and go to another tribe. So um, and I guess they were just really concerned about, you know, losing the inheritance from their own tribe that would go to another tribe. Um, I, I guess for me personally, there's not really much of a significance for me since there's no inheritance for me, <laughs> for myself. So, um, will it be property or land or wealth, whatever. So I guess if you have things of that nature, then you really care where it goes to. When you don't have any, any of that, then it doesn't really matter. Okay. Yeah, I mean, definitely the patriarchal um, power and, uh, you know, male, male power society was, you know, there's no doubt that's that's there um so you know that is troublesome uh right and uh, part of that was that uh, when uh, it's kind of a conflict of laws right that they just established that a, a woman can inherit land if no, there's no male heirs if there are male heirs she doesn't get anything in the first place so that's a problem um and then that's unfair but then if she does get land, but she marries, then uh, the property follows her into the marriage household and eventually belongs or gets inures to the benefit of the legal benefit of the husband, right? So, um, uh, so uh, yeah, it, it, it's like one is one whatever law or custom was clashing with this new law. And so, um, yeah, what do you guys think about the solution, the resolution? Or the motives of the Gileadite family heads? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's sort of, like in chapter 27, you kind of feel like, oh, you know, there's something kind of, you know, I don't know what you say, almost progressive about this, that these women are able to uh, claim, you know, sort of make their claim on something in uh, a time and culture where really uh, the deck is like stacked against them. But then here it's kind of like, 
Uh, but they sort of roll it back a little. You know, the the way they resolve it is it's like sort of infringing a little bit on their liberty or whatever. I mean, who knows? Like, I mean, I, I don't know. It's not like people married the way that they do now, so they probably didn't have like a lot of choice. But here, it's like you know, they're they're kind of specifically limited in in terms of who they can um, who they can marry. So it it's it. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it sort of like rolls it back a little bit, but you know, at the same time. Um, God does say that um, you know what they're saying also is right. So it's I, I don't know about the motive necessarily, but I guess you know when I was kind of thinking about you know, based on sort of what what you were saying also uh, from the episode in twenty seven, like this generation having sort of a future orientation. Like it seems like these men, at least, they're kind of thinking even generations into the future, right? Because you would think that, well, if this just happened once or they're kind of just thinking about like what's going to happen in their lifetime, it's like, yeah, if the land passes out, that's, you know, that that would be a, a bit of a problem. But, you know, if this kind of kept happening and they're thinking all the way to like, you know, year of Jubilee, then, you know, one tribe might, for whatever for whatever reason, like their their land holdings overall could shrink a lot and, you know that it would um it would mess up the sort of allotment right so uh yeah i mean i guess in some ways you could say that they're kind of you're carrying it further like how far ahead that they're thinking or you know just kind of buying into the whole all that god has sort of promised for them and you know just laying out like i don't know there's something about also just bringing up the the year of jubilee i feel like that there's something kind of it, it brings something additional into it, but I, I don't know if I fully grasp it all. So, yeah. So they are <clears throat> kind of yeah thinking even further ahead, and let's say not only to keep an inheritance within a family or a clan, but to uh, have it, you know, for for you know to never transfer to another. Um, Another tribe. So, I guess this, the scenario would be that a, if a wife's property interest, uh, you know, let's say that you know, there were 10, 10, 10 women or ten families that had like that, and they all married other tribes, then you would have ownership um, from one tribe in another tribe's territory, and I think that might have been probably a, like an undesirable or untenable kind of, kind of situation, right? So. Um, yeah, I guess, I don't know if you want to call it a compromise, but uh, whatever, the, the resolution kind of um, dealt dealt with that and stuff. I too, Peter, and I think commentators, as far as I can tell, aren't quite sure what the year of Jubilee, uh, kind of uh, how it applies, because if they get married, from I, I would think from that point on, that property is now in the, in the, in the, before the, the resolution was arrived at, um, the moment they got married, the woman's, um, uh, the, the, the husband would, would have, you know, property rights. And at the year of Jubilee, that usually applied to land that was um, like mortgaged or, 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 or kind of sold. Uh, um, and so, uh, I'm not sure what the difference is. I, the way that I looked at it, so, you know, uh, I, I don't have the brain power. Uh, I thought I figured it out, but then I was reading, I was reviewing it today, and I go, hmm, I'm not sure how that works. But I think th the fact that they actually thought about the year of Jubilee or that they looked at, you know, some of the legislation that Moses brought down, that was kind of cool, right? That, you know, that they were thinking along those terms. And that goes back to what you said about, even you know, twenty generations, thirty generations down the line, you know um, that that would um, still try to, let's say, continue or honor the the larger will of God, which was, you know, giving these inheritances uh, to the the families in perpetuity, right? That it wasn't intended to. Um, to be lost, right? If, if even if for emergency purposes or financial needs, it had to be mortgage or whatever, that um, everything would re revert back, 
the year of Jubilee. I, I think that sentiment or that that kind of uh, mindset is understand. I mean that that's commendable. The technical application of it, yeah, I, I'd have to kind of work through it. Uh, any other uh, uh, angles from you guys? So I'll just throw in, um, I think what's, what I walked away with this in, in chapter uh, 36 was um, kind of Zalofahad's daughters again. Like to me, they were really kind of the, the heroes or the heroines of chapter 27, but they are uh, the heroines of chapter 36 as well, right? Uh, that when the uh, command came down that the way that you keep the land within the tribe, the ancestral tribe, was if the daughter who owns, who inherits land or owns property, if she will limit her marriage prospects uh, to um, the ancestral tribe herself, um, then that is kind of one form of resolution. Right, so it's kind of a, a self-limitation, right? It, it is uh, kind of a limitation of choice. Um, she can't, one of the daughters, she wants the property to stay. Um, she can't choose um, maybe anybody, right? She can't marry into any particular tribe. She can't, um, you know, she is foregoing, she is waiving, right? Her, the full range of options that she has. And I think that is kind of uh, inspirational, right? Now to, to make it a law to kind of circumscribe, especially a woman's right to choose a marriage partner, uh, you know, that's unfortunate again, right? Because of the patriarchal society and all that. Um, so I think that is a negative aspect of, you know, what happens. Uh, but I think the willingness, right, of Zalofahad's daughters to, um, you know, restrict themselves, to put themselves in that situation. I think there is something New Testament about it, right? There's something very um, discipleship about it, you know, self-limitation, self-denial, right? Um, surrender of the best and the fullest range of options for a purpose, right? And now you might ag not agree that the purpose was very important, right? If it's just to keep the property, just to keep the father's name, you know, maybe in our modern approach, we would not think that's, you know, worth, you know, surrendering your right to, right to you know, marry the person you want or the marry the person that you love. Um, but um, if we kind of, and I'm going to try to uh, say it precisely, if we want, if we can understand, let's say God's, um, let's say the will of God, the overarching will of God to grant the land of Canaan as a fulfillment of the promise that he made to Abraham and his descendants um, for that to be, let's say that somehow that becomes the overarching purpose um, you know, God's will, um, then the, um, I guess the, 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 the willing, the, the sacrifice, what they give up, um, I think takes on a, a kind of, yeah, like a discipleship or gospel kind of, 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 of character, right? Um, that, you know, Jesus's life was all about self-limitation, right? He was in very nature God, 
but he didn't hold on to that. He, he didn't cling to that. He left the, he was rich for, uh, in the glories of heaven, but he took on the time and space, the body, right? The form of a human being. And he limited himself. He veiled his majesty, right? He uh, somehow, right? It was fully God and fully man, but there are times when he does not choose to exercise all of the, the powers of divinity for our sake, right? And, and of course, the, the cross is, you know, the complete, um, you know, abnegation of self. It's the self-surrender to the to the extreme and to the ultimate for some for for the purpose of God, right? The purpose of God is the salvation of. Uh, humanity so you know it's not necessarily like um like a close parallel but i want to kind of uh, you know suggest that in terms of <clears throat> yielding of rights right giving up something for the sake of something that you think is better right that either of god or mor morally speaking uh, or just for the for the greater good uh, to um yeah, relinquish something um, that I think is, yeah, it, it, it speaks, it challenges, right? Now, I, I think um, in those days, I don't think that uh, probably men too, uh, their, you know, marriage was a, a much more of a, a legal compact between families, right? Um, than kind of what we understand in, let's say, in the Western society of, Marrying for love, marrying out of choice, marrying in complete freedom, right? Um, like even in the 21st century, right? You know, marriages are sometimes arranged, and uh, or there are people that you know our families would not permit us, or at least uh, would not be happy um, if if we married, right? So the concept of you know, limitation when it comes to marriage prospects or marriage partners, uh, I think was kind of already present. Um, it's present now still, present throughout history, and certainly present, right, in the Old Testament, right, in the uh, Israelite uh, culture, right? So uh, maybe it wasn't a huge kind of jump for them to go from we're like we do we we feel like we might have to jump from but still to me it's still admirable it's still a, a jump right and i feel like um you know there are i think we could argue that there are christian implications of this right so for let's say the um um what the bible teaches about christian marriage whether it's related to um, what kind of person that um, would be uh, a good partner, right? As it relates to, um, you know, the sexual ethics, as it relates to, you know, the duties or the the principles, the values of, of Christian marriage. I mean, there, there are a, a, quite a number, I think, of principles that, that come into play. For example, you know, although um, maybe not all people subscribe to this, but, you know, I think the biblical case is strong that a Christian person should, you know, marry a Christian person, right? That God's desire is that um, a person who uh, puts Jesus Christ as number one you know, in, in the uh, choice of a married partner as a Christian also uh, chooses to marry somebody who puts Jesus as number one. Um, and that is a limitation, right? You know, more and more, our, at least in our American society, that there is you know that the the, the the candidates, if you will, the the the, the those who profess uh, a similar faith. There's no, you know, it's not it's not growing, 
right, and stuff. So um, that's that's just kind of one suggested kind of application or implication that I think uh, we can kind of uh, let's say uh, uh, kind of apply what these daughters are willing to do. Right, um, we we I think we see that opportunities like that, right? Um, here, um, even even in our day, right? In in, in our time, so um, I I think that um, you, know, you know, just even moving outside of the kind of the the the, the realm or the the sphere of you know marital relations. Right, I think that um, what they were willing to do, right, uh, their willingness to give up something that could be personally advantageous in order to hold up value, we've mentioned that already, value something that I guess uh, um, we could say is deemed important by God. Right. Uh, maybe it's choosing uh, a less prestigious or a less well-paying job because they're, you're honoring some other aspect of God or your relationship with God. Or you know, you're putting your children first instead of some other priority. Or what you do with your time, what you do with your money, what you do with... Uh, it just, just is a host of... I think ways in which yeah we are as followers of Christ are challenged to look into ourselves and to see if you know God is asking us to put him or one of his principles above uh, kind of the um, I guess the freedom of choice or the freedom of self-determination uh, right um, and, and I think that that is uh, when we're able to do that, um, that is, uh, you know, um, akin right, to the spirit of uh, Zalufahed's daughters here. That again, we're assuming that they hold, we already know that they think the inheritance is to say is important, right? Now I'm expanding that to say that they're, the importance of God's inheritance, the way that God designed it is important, right? So to that end, they're even willing to uh, sacrifice or willing to, um, yeah, limit themselves uh, for that great purpose. Okay. Um, any other observations, either new or backtracking that you guys want to bring up I guess I would just add that uh, the limitations are not just on the lost daughter but it also limits uh, the Gilead family men as well that uh, that sense they are obligated or some you know someone among them are obligated to marry sisters right to help preserve you mean the guys that marry the 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 right. inheriting right. daughters? Okay. Because the tribe basically said somebody from us will have to take that responsibility to take care of the sisters, right? which is a beautiful picture. Right? Saying, or, oh. or if I could say they actually get more land too. <laughs> they get they have their own land, but they might be one of the yeah. <laughs> so they get some extra land from there. But yeah, there there has to be a willingness, um, uh, a, a, right? A like-mindedness, right? In, in that sense, great. Alrighty. I think that would wrap up our uh, study of these two passages. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, as we try to understand uh, numbers, uh, these stories, these narratives in their context. Uh, I pray that we will really, really uh, have uh, done our uh, uh, study or analysis or, or 
understanding in, in a in an accurate way in a um, proper manner um, and then um, how do we make this uh, the principles and, and the truths uh, and those things that are transcendent um, how do we um, live those out what do they look like in our day um, perhaps uh, we were not in the inheritance context we may not even be in the marital context but um, I think there are a number of constant challenges where your values, the things that you uh, find are important that you've granted to us, maybe even the um, inheritance of God's word that you've entrusted to us. These things, Lord, um, are in constant tension, uh, I feel, with the world's desires and certainly our personal desires. Uh, if we could take a a page out of Zalofahed's daughter's uh, playbook, Lord, give us um, uh, clarity, give us courage, uh, give us um, guidance uh, so that we might uh, put into practice um, those things that uh, really demonstrate our commitment to you. That above all, uh, we desire what you desire. Uh, that we are willing to uh, forego what maybe everyone else holds to tightly and clings to and, and claims as rights and benefits and entitlements, that uh, we uh, will have the strength and the grace and, and the courage and the faith to, um, when you say, let those go, because I'm giving you something better, something that you cannot see, something that you're going to get later on, something that, um, you know, nobody else will understand, that... Uh, we be able to uh, respond affirmatively, uh, respond uh, volitionally, uh, respond uh, enthusiastically. Um, help us to process, help us to uh, meditate, help us to um, uh, incorporate uh, all the good things that you want us, uh, the, the right things that are, are to be learned, that were learned are, and to be learned. Uh, thank you for the Connect group. I pray that... Uh, you might uh, help the word to nourish us, help the word to um, nurture us, help the word to uh, shape us um, evermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.